Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Oh, welcome to Spark London. We tell true stories. We tell them live. And we tell them every month at the Canal Cafe Theatre. This story was performed by Joanna Yates in April 2010, where the theme was home. I send people up here. <laughs> so cruel. Um, there were three options on the form. One of them said um, they were asking where I lived. One of them was, "Do you live at home?" And there was a little checkbox next to it. There was another one that said, "Do you live in rented accommodation?" And then the third one said, um, "Do you live in halls of residence?" And I remember thinking that I lived at home, but that was rented accommodation. And the rented accommodation that I called my home was hundreds of miles away from where my mum and dad were, which was in the countryside. And the rented accommodation was in London. And it was September 1997 when I came to London. And I came and lived with a friend of mine, not far from here actually, in Lanark Road, Maida Vale, eight floors up in one of the tower blocks, which is on, on that street. And um, that was the first place in London that I called called my home and naturally being kind of late teens early 20s we went out quite a lot from that particular home and one of the places that we went to was um, WKD which used to be a club that was in Camden and it held quite regularly a night which was um, a jam night where musicians would turn up and they'd either sing or they'd play the guitar or they'd do something and they'd jam together on the stage. I remember one musician going up and then coming off the stage and kind of positioning himself quite close to the back of the room, completely on his own and not really talking to anyone. And um, I went over and started talking to him. And he told me that he was a musician and he showed me his beetle, which was outside the club. And I remember there were more, the speakers took up way more space in the beetle than the seats did. They were absolutely huge and they were on the back seat. And um, shortly after that, I remember being in my apartment eight floors up on Lanark Road. And I remember the windows shaking quite violently. And that was because the beetle was drawing up outside the block and it meant that the entire block shook basically with the power of the speakers at the back of this thing. Um, And four months or so after that, it seemed like a really good idea to move out of Lanark Road and to move in with him, which was in Highgate. And I moved there. And I remember that um, he used to try and tell me what to do and he'd try and tell me what to cook 
and he'd try and tell me what to wear, and he'd um, be intent on trying to tell me where to go, and he'd love telling me how to drive and which way to drive. <laughs> and one particular time, I remember driving my car, um, him in the passenger seat, barking directions over at me, and it had been a good few months that I'd been there, and I just took it, because I kind of figured that maybe he knew something that I didn't, perhaps um, he knew the best way. I was quite young, he was a good 10 years older than me. And, um, but that particular day we sat down and we started driving and he was going right, left, no, yes. <laughs> and I was kind of doing various things. And we drove back towards the house and we drew up. And as we drew up, I noticed how tightly I was gripping the steering wheel. <laughs> and I felt heat in my face and something in me had snapped, literally. And I got out of the car and he got out of the car and we're standing there in front of each other and I did something that I've never done since and I probably won't do again, which is that I pushed him <laughs> out the way and he looked at me in utter shock. He went white, first of all, and then his eyes like went really slitty. And then he, and then he took like, a step towards me and I was like, bloody, what's he going to do? And then he took a step away and then I went, that's it, I'm off, I'm going, I've had enough. And I went back into the flat, took everything, put it in my metro and I drove it back to this place 200 miles away, which is where my mum and dad are. And I spent a week there. And in that week, there were various phone calls that came back to me going, come back, we really miss you. Um, it's not going to be like that. We're gonna, it's going to be better when you get back. And so eventually I did. And I came back by train, actually, because um, I just bought a few, a few of my things back. And I remember turning up in London, probably 9.30 in the morning. And I got the tube to Highgate, and, which is where the flat was. And I walked down to the flat. And I got to the door and I opened it with a key. So obviously I had the keys to my own home. And I got inside um, and the floor was a bit like this. There was no carpet on it inside our flat. And there was a kind of, as you walked in, there was a hallway, four steps, a little kind of landing. And then the bedroom was at the back. And as I walked in, I looked down at the floor, I remember, and it was silent. So I immediately knew that the hug and the sorry and that it's all going to be fine wasn't going to happen imminently <laughs> so so I kind of went in a little bit further and I walked up the steps onto the landing and I sort of slowly opened the door to the bedroom and just to see if that's where he was and it was where he was because I could see his head was lying, lying on one of the pillows and next to it I could see somebody else's head <laughs> lying on the pillow with a kind of flock of blonde hair sticking out the side and um I went kind of white and quite cold and I shut the door really, really slowly as if it would be awful to disturb anyone in that situation. And I walked downstairs into the living room and in the living room, kind of, in the back of on the back wall, there was one of those round mirrors that you sometimes have with the um, kind of frames around them and it was slightly distressed. So the mirror had that sort of slightly browning effect on it. And I was probably this distance from the mirror and I was looking in it and... I literally didn't recognise myself. I was so shocked by what I'd seen. I dropped my bag on the floor and I kind of looked in the mirror. And the next thing I did was leave the bag there, walk out of the flat onto the street with my hand over my mouth, um, and I walked straight into the nearest pub, which, again, is not particularly in character because anyone who knows me, I don't really drink very much. So going to the nearest pub was slightly odd. But when I got there, I ordered a gin and tonic and I sat in the garden and I kind of had a look around in the garden and then I had something else that was completely out of character which is I started to notice that in the garden there was a variety of garden furniture and gnomes and bits and bobs and one of the gnomes in particular was 
not very far away from me. And I picked it up and I put it inside my jacket. And after I finished the gin and tonic, I left the pub with the gnome. And I walked, <laughs> I walked directly back to, um, to the flat. I had a feeling that they'd gone, and they had. And I walked inside the door and I thought, I need to go and get my bag because I'd left it there. So I went in, got my bag, and I don't know why to this day, but I put the gnome in the kitchen on the floor and I left it there. And I, <laughs> and I, and I got the bag that I'd left in the living room and I took it outside. I called my dear friend who I was living with in Maidavelle and had now moved on somewhere different, told her what had happened and she said, come with me, come and stay with me. So I went back to her house later that day and... Um, in the preceding hours and towards the evening, herself and her boyfriend came came with me to collect all of my things. And I um, we packed the car up, and I remember from sitting inside that packed car, looking looking out of the window and back at the flat that I'd just left, and thinking, actually, that wasn't necessarily a home. That was probably more rented accommodation than it was a home. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I've um, fortunately learned a lot of lessons about what it is that I like to have as my home since then. Thank you very much. Have you got a story to tell? In June, we're running a week of new stories at the Blue Elephant Theatre in Camberwell. We'd really love to hear from you. Spark London is produced by Joanna Yates. Audio production by Matt Hill at rethinkdaily.co.uk. 